Well, good morning, One Church. It is good to see your smiling faces this morning. If we haven't met yet, my name is Kyle Rogers, and I'm honored that I get a chance to come hang out with you from time to time. Uh, This morning, I just want to hop into the vein that Pastor Blake has been in throughout our series that we just finished called Baggage. Come on, somebody. If you knew God spoke to you during that series, can you put your hands together and give him some praise this morning? So good. If you haven't got a chance to catch that series or missed any week of it, just visit B1Church.com and get caught up. Uh, But during that series, uh, our pastor helped us to see what it's like to live free and unwind from our past. And as we've done that, I'd love to just help us take the next step in what it's like to develop a flow for our lives that helps us to stay connected to God's plan for our life throughout every single season. Because my first thought for today is this, is that at some point this year, you are going to need God. Can I get a good amen right there? Come on, somebody's like, we're already into the year. We've only finished the first quarter of the year. And if you know anything about ball games, there's four quarters to every year or every game. And if you think you won after the first quarter, you've got another thing coming. So let me encourage you at the offset this year that at some point this year, we are going to need God. And if we're going to need him, then it's important for us to establish a goal of how to move forward. And here's the goal. Our goal moving forward can be to live in the center of God's perfect will for our lives. Ephesians chapter two articulates it like this. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works for which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can I stop right here just for a moment and say that there are some things in life that we wish that we were a little bit more prepared for in advance, like parenting, Y'all quiet. I'm going to go talk to them. Here we go. Like marriage, like going from one career to another, like making transitions in friendship relationships, like figuring out what's the best educational endeavor for you in the season of life that you're in. Should I start the business? Should I close the business? All of these different things we just sometimes wish we were a little bit more prepared for. But I love the fact. That God says in Ephesians chapter 2, through the voice of the writer who's the apostle Paul, that we are God's handiwork that have been prepared in advance for something he desires us to do. Let's just be honest and say that should bring joy to our souls, knowing that the way that we are individually uniquely wired by our creator was perfectly woven together for the plan, the purpose, and here we go, the will that he has for each one of our lives. That should bring some joy to someone this morning, knowing that all your personality quirks, God's got a plan for each one of them. Just nudge somebody next to you and say, he's talking to you this morning. He's talking, y'all not nudging y'all nervous come on he's talking to you here we go so there's there's four questions that I like to hop into this morning because to accomplish the perfect will that God has indicates number one that we don't have to be perfect to accomplish his perfect will but in order number two for us to accomplish it that we here we go have to lean in to what God is doing in our lives and then through our lives through each season of life 
so that we can stay connected to the flow, the momentum, the plan, the will that he has for our lives. So four questions, four questions to help us frame the, the first question this morning is this, as you're finding your flow, will this decision lead me closer to my destiny or become a distraction? Now, the easiest place for this question to be applied is for those of you who are wanting to be or currently in a dating situation. Is that person going to be a distraction or are they going to lead you closer to your destiny? I thought I'd get a couple of amens in here this morning. I'm going to just talk to the online family. Here we go. Uh, is it, is it going to lead us closer to our destiny or will it become a distraction? Because as believers and followers of Jesus, our goal is not to make decisions based upon what is good, but based upon what is God's best. Oftentimes, God's best can be in conflict with our emotions. Because how many have ever been in a space before where you've talked yourself into a decision because it made you feel better, but you knew it wasn't necessarily God's best? Here we go. There's a character in scripture that shows us what this looks like fleshed out through his own life. His name is Damas, and he's only mentioned three times in scripture. Let's look at the first two times he's mentioned. The first is in Colossians, uh, where the apostle Paul says, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Damas send greetings. The second time he's mentioned in Philemon, he says, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Damas, and Luke, my fellow workers. So we've established that Damas is on the dream team with the apostle Paul. He's setting up chairs for the children's ministry. He's providing extra diapers for the nursery. He's in the parking lot, flagging people in, making sure the A-frame signs are out. He's given to the outreach. He's making sure that we're meeting the needs in the community. But then in 2 Timothy 4, the language about Damas changes. Scripture says, do your best to come quickly for Damas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. Uh-oh. Uh and he's gone to Thessalonica. Uh, 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 whoa. Paul stops here and says, hey, I need you to Venmo me. I need you to, need you to send uh, an assistant on a red-eye flight to come hang out with me. Uh, I need some help because the Damas that was in Colossians and Philemon is now the Damas that's left me in 2 Timothy. And scripture is very clear to articulate the reason why Damas left. Because he loved this world. Let, let's just get honest for a second. I, I, I feel like I'm part of your family now. Is that all right? Uh, it, 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 there's at least one area in all of our lives that vies for the love that we have for God. There's at least one space in our thought processes our calendar and our intentions, our emotions that vies to replace the number one spot that is reserved for God. That doesn't make you a bad person to have that happening. It actually just makes you a human being. But Demos is something that you and I can extract from scripture and apply to our own lives in the opposite of what Demos does is that he got distracted with that decision instead of following the destiny, plan, the purpose, the will that God had for his life. Paul even goes so far to tell us where Damas went to. He went to Thessalonica. 
for you and I, that's just a place in biblical history. But back in that day and time, Thessalonica was known to be a cosmopolitan city. Maybe they must got consumed with the concrete jungle where dreams are made of, like New York City. Maybe he just fell in love with the Hollywood lifestyle of LA. Maybe he just fell in love with a beautiful woman and, and, and left the work of the ministry to chase after that relationship. Maybe there was a business venture, an endeavor that he had his heart set on that got more a hold of his heart than what God had in that moment. We're, we're not really privy to what aspect of falling in love with the things of this world was for Damas, but I think that this creates a very clear blank for you and I to be able to fill in what is the space that tries to divert our love away from God and towards it. And if we take the lesson from Damas, we'll find ourselves chasing after the destiny that God has for our lives and not allowing ourselves, here we go, to be distracted. The second question for today is this, is that sometimes we go with the flow with this question here, how much space are you giving the Holy Spirit to work in your life? How much space are you giving the Holy Spirit to work in your life? The Holy Spirit, not the third watered down version of God. The Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who God said through the voice of Jesus, I'm sending one behind me that will be with you even through the end of time. Paul is clear to articulate in Romans that it's the Spirit of God that knows what to pray when we've run out of words. Y'all ever had a moment like that where all you can do is seem to not even have any words cross your brain anymore, but it's the Holy Spirit that knows exactly exactly what to pray. He knows what our cries mean. He knows what our sighs mean. He knows what our deepest emotions that we struggle to articulate mean. And he is the one that God has given to us to walk with us, to nudge us, to guard us, and to guide us. And now the question begs to be asked, how much space are we giving him to lead and guard, guide our lives? Galatians gives us a snapshot of what it means to be led by the Spirit of God in chapter 5. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I grew up in church, so when we heard desires of the flesh, our minds usually went to an addiction or to something sexual. But I would love to point to what Eugene Peterson says in the message version about the desires of the flesh. He calls them the compulsions of selfishness. Just look at somebody next to you and say, I know you're selfish. You don't have to admit it. I, I, I know you're selfish. Y'all whispered that one. Come on. Uh, the compulsions of selfishness, because in reality, let's, 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 let's lean in together and, and just say this, that all of us are selfish at our core. Oh, it's not comfortable. It's not pretty. And when you got your church face on, it's not something you want to admit in public, but all of us are selfish at our core. My perspective, my expectations, my coffee, my Netflix show, my time, me time. Don't interrupt, me time. My daughter came out at 6 a.m. the other morning while I was trying to spend time with Jesus. I said, no, no, boo-boo, go ahead. Sit right there, sit right there, <laughs> sit right there. Uh-uh, we're, we're selfish at our core. Let's be honest, as human beings, we're self-centered as well. And what keeps us from being tied to the compulsions of our selfishness day in and day out is simply the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. The slightest of nudges to remind us that he is in control and we are not. 
the slightest of warnings, not threats, but warnings. Hey, that's probably not the best decision to make. The strongest of encouragements to indicate who God says that we are in a world that's trying to constantly shape, mold, guide, and develop us into what it believes that we should be. So then how much space are we giving the Holy Spirit to work in our lives? How much space are we giving the Holy Spirit to work through that unresolved argument with our spouse? How much space are we giving the Holy Spirit to help us in the parenting journey with that one teenager that you just like to lay hands on? Thank you. There's at least one in every household, come on. How, how much space are we giving the Holy Spirit to help us in that decision we need to, to make inside of our business? Are we asking the Holy Spirit to help us before we have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with the employee that we're about to sit down in our office? Are we asking the Holy Spirit to help us to navigate through that issue with your mother-in-law? How much space are we giving the Holy Spirit to help guide us? Because simply put, he, he actually knows the best thing for us in every scenario and situation. And oftentimes where we get in trouble, it's not that the devil destroys us, it's that distractions destroy us because we stop asking the Holy Spirit what was the best in this situation. Y'all getting tight with me. I'm going to go to the third question. Here we go. The third question for today is this. Uh, what is your game plan for reconciling the highs and the lows of the coming year? I like the way that Mike Tyson says it. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> and at some point in every year, you and I get punched in the face with something that we never could have imagined possible. You ever got punched in the face so hard by life that every phone call you take and every text message you get from that point on, you're expecting to get punched again? Somebody's like, that's the last 24 months of my life. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what's, what's the game plan? Not what's the preventative measures. That's not possible. The Bible says that Man's days are short, women's days are short, and they're full of trouble. So we're not guaranteed riches, we're not guaranteed to have fame, we're not guaranteed to have things, we're not guaranteed for everything to go right. We are guaranteed trouble. So what are we going to do to make sure that while we celebrate on the mountaintop, we don't allow ourselves to crash and burn in the valley? Simply put, it's leaning into what Pastor Mark and the team led us in earlier, declaring the goodness of God. Because let's just be honest, in this room and watching online, one of the underestimated promises in all of Scripture is that God is with us and he is always good. The challenge of life is that it will try to knock out the belief and the hope that we all carry. His name is Jesus, and as we carry him with us, there are moments in life that try to knock that belief and knock that hope out of us to get us to rethink the declaration that we made on a Sunday in the middle of worship. But the same God that was good when we got the promotion is now the same God that's good when job insecurity shows up to our doorstep. The same God that healed that one family member is now the same God that will nurse us through the grieving process in losing another. 
The same God that was good on the day you got married is the same God that's going to be with you when you cry in the bedroom trying to get over this challenge that you two are in right now. The same God that provided the child is the same God that will give the strategy through the dark days and difficult nights of raising them. The same God of the mountaintop is the same God in the valley. He's not the God that takes you to the valley to be destroyed. Let's just take a note from the life of David. God did not bring David into the valley of Allah for him to be destroyed. God brought David's giant into the valley to be destroyed so that David would always know that God is with me, God is for me, and nothing and no one can stand against me because he is always there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It reminds me what the inscription says that's taken from a Rudyard Kipling poem called If. This inscription is over Center Court at Wimbledon. And it says, if you meet tragedy and triumph, treat both of those imposters the same. I believe as believers and followers. It's a space for us to go, mm-hmm. Since our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can trust him in yesterday, we can trust him with today, and we can trust him with forever. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. It leads me to the fourth and final question for today. It is this, because there are moments where our thought processes don't necessarily align with the belief that we say that we have. This last question says, who, who has been most responsible for your way of thinking this far? Who's been most responsible? Let's be honest. All of us come from different backgrounds of origin and family upbringings. We've all had different experiences in life. And these experiences have led us to different thought processes and ideologies that we've picked up along the way. Some healthy, some unhealthy. Many of those we've unpacked over the last few weeks and handed back over to God. But the reality is, is that oftentimes there are scenarios and situations that show up to our doorstep that tempt us to go back to the hands of God and grab out the things that we just handed over a week ago. And those usually show up in the form of thoughts. The easiest thing to do is identify the thought. The hardest thing to do is identify where the thought came from. And God is not just interested in eliminating symptoms. God wants to get to the root. So let's ask the hard question this week. Who's, 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 who's responsible for our way of thinking so far? Is it Fox? Is it CNN? Is it somewhere else? Is it a friend? Is it a group text message that we've been in? Do we need to delete the group texts because that group text is not healthy any longer? Is it somebody I've connected to? Is it an experience that I had? Is it, is it an expectation that got broken? Who's responsible for the way that we've thought so far? Romans 12 is clear to articulate how the believer and follower is supposed to move in their thought life when it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and here we go, perfect will. In order to be able to Find out what his perfect will is. It requires the renewing of the mind and the renewing of the mind happens daily and it's not just by eloquent Facebook posts or Instagram DMs. The renewing of the mind happens by intentionally spending time with God in his word and allowing what's in his word to infiltrate our lives. 
to make sure that the seed of the word is being planted on the inside of our hearts. And here we go. It also flushes out the things that have gotten in that don't belong to us. Don't look at them, but have you ever been in a moment with somebody before and something just flies out of their mouth and they go, ooh, I didn't mean that. <laughs> oh, yes, you did. <laughs> something got in. You ever see somebody, don't look at them again, you ever see somebody react a certain kind of way and it's opposite of the person that you've always known them to be. They come back and they go, ooh, that wasn't me. <laughs> and you look at them and go, oh, yes, it was. Something got in. And before we judge the people who have very extra responses, sometimes the response is a little quieter. Sometimes we just stew internally. And everything we say is snarky and chippy from there. Sometimes people ask us, how are you doing? Blessed, blessed of the Lord, highly favored, but you ready to cuss somebody out right up in here, right up in here, right up. I can say that here, right, right, right up in here. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's because something got in and it never got. And that's what the renewing of the mind is. All of us are humans. All of us need Jesus, even on our best days, because even on our best days, we're still humans at best. Something got in. It's got to get out. Nature gives us a type and shadow of what this looks like. The lowest place on earth It's called the Dead Sea. At over 1,400 square, uh, square feet, 1,400 feet below sea level. The Dead Sea gets its name because of the salinity levels of the water don't allow for aquatic life or vegetation to be able to exist in its habitat. It's for one simple reason. The Dead Sea only receives, never pours out. There's only an inflow. There's never an outflow. I dare to believe that in the culture in which we live in today, which I'm not here to criticize the culture or point a finger at the culture. If anything, I'm just here to identify what's happening in culture according to what scripture says so that we can approach the culture like Jesus would. The culture has a lot of suggestions that get poured in on a daily basis. A few that we agree with, many that we don't. The culture. There's a lot of opinions that get poured in on a constant basis. The culture, people have agendas that they want to push on us on a continual basis. And the challenge is this as the believer and follower. At what point do we say the things that are trying to be poured in also need an outflow? They've got to be filtered through God's word. That if what culture says or what my feelings say don't match what God has already said, that's not the direction I need to go. That's not the ideology I need to subscribe to. That's not the attitude I need to carry. The challenging part is that this is the deep work that God calls us as believers and followers to engage with. And it's a daily process Will we allow ourselves to experience what it's like to receive, but then also, here we go, to turn over and get rid of the things that would cause toxicity and death. My pastor says it like this. Are you willing to do the hard work 
so that God can do the deep work. The hard work is admitting where the Holy Spirit is nudging. The deep work is then allowing him to do the work on the back end. And I want to encourage at least one person in this room and one person watching online. Wherever the Holy Spirit brings conviction, he also brings courage. Courage to lean in. Courage to listen and obey. Courage to take the next right step. Here we go. Courage to do the best thing when it would be easier to do the wrong thing. Courage. If it feels like guilt and shame are being pointed at, that ain't the Holy Spirit. But if it feels like being invited to experience the best life that God has for you, that's how you know you found your flow. Lean in, listen close, and let's experience God do something in our lives and then through our lives that we never could have imagined possible. Amen? Let me pray for you this morning. Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much that your word is true, that you're no respecter of persons. So the things that you've done throughout time and space are the things that you're doing right now in our time and right now in this space. I pray for families that are represented here that you would continue to turn the things that the enemy has meant for evil, that you'd flip them around for good. I pray that you'd give that father courage this week. I pray that you'd give that mother comfort and courage as well. Give that student the ability to be able to hear your voice and to respond to the next right step that you have for them. And in this moment, we declare that it will not happen by might nor by power, but by your spirit. We offer ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout it, amen. Amen. amen.